Should pastors get paid? Hmm. Might be a little bias on this, so we won't yeah. answer that. We'll just let scripture yeah. answer that for us here in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. You're listening to Between the Lines. I'm Scott. I'm Junior. And Dad, I think it's your time. All right. How many verses to start? Uh, we have 27 here. verses. 27 verses. All right. So beginning verse 1, am I not as free as anyone else? Am I not an apostle? Haven't I seen Jesus, our Lord, with my own eyes? Because I, in order to so be an apostle, you had to see Jesus face-to-face, and that is, that's how he became a believer. Jesus appeared to him. Isn't it because of my work that you belong to the Lord? In other words, you became Christians because I went to you and shared the gospel with you. Even if others think I'm not an apostle, I certainly am to you. You yourselves are proof that I am the Lord's apostle. And now, can I just give this a little bit of context? That yeah. I believe what's happening here, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but from I believe what's happening here is that there were some in the church who are saying, you know, we're sending money to Paul, who's off planting churches somewhere else. Why? Why are we sending him? Why is he getting paid? Why are we sending him money? Yeah, I mean that's not it at all. You're wrong about that. So I'm only <laughs> correcting you because you told me to. No, I actually I, I do think that 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 is exactly what's going on here. That yes, there are people that were questioning him being an apostle. Okay. And yes, why why are we sending him any money to pay for him to do this work? Yeah. This is my answer to those who question my authority. Don't we have the right to live in your homes and share your meals? Don't we have the right to bring a believing wife with us as other apostles and the Lord's brothers do as Peter does? Or is it only Barnabas and I who have to work to support ourselves? What sold I'm sorry, I love yeah. that. He just mentions the wife there. Yeah. And uh, I know it's a big debate like in the Catholic realm about like, you know, the the fathers having, having wives. It's just so clear in scripture that a lot of those apostles did. And you see oh, they right did, here, yeah. he's talking yeah. about who brought our wives. Yeah, it was hundreds of years actually after the papacy that... Uh, that priests were no longer allowed to marry. Yeah. So no, and and uh, yeah, and which I think was a major mistake. But anyway, yes, he is saying we we have the right to have wives, and then uh, talking about living in their ho- homes or sharing their meals or being paid. Verse seven: What soldier has to pay his own expenses? What farmer plants a vineyard and doesn't have the right to eat some of its fruit? What shepherd cares for a flock of sheep and isn't allowed to drink some of the milk? Am I expressing merely a human opinion or does the law say the same thing? For the law of Moses says you must not muzzle an ox to keep it from eating as it treads out the grain. Was God thinking only about the ox when he said this? No, he was actually talking about the priests. Was he actually speaking to us? Yes, it was written for us so that the one who plows and the one who threshes the grain might both expect a share of the harvest. And since we have planted spiritual seed among you, aren't we entitled to a harvest of physical food and drink? If you support others who preach to you, shouldn't we have an even greater right to be supported? We have never used this right. We would rather put up with anything that can be an obstacle uh, to the good news about Christ. In other words, he was saying, we have the right to be paid, but because this has been an issue, we've just stayed away from it. We just didn't want this to be an issue. So we've not accepted any pay from you. So he's correcting him, but he's also saying, I'm not going to take anything from you though. Right, right, because he does. He doesn't want to be about them. I don't want to be the one correcting you for this, and then you so you pay me. Right. But he's, but in reality, he's setting it up for those who are going to come yeah, after him. Which, if I were in that church and I'm reading this, you wrote this to me, I'd be like, oh shoot, guys, we got to support him. What are yeah, we doing? Right. <laughs> yep. Don't you realize, verse thirteen? Don't you realize that those who work in the temple get their meals from the offerings brought to the temple, and those who serve at the altar get a share of the sacrificial offerings. 
In the same way, the Lord ordered that those who preach the good news should be supported by those who benefit from it. Hmm. You can take over in verse 15. Yet I have never used any of these rights, and I am not writing this to suggest that I want to start now. In fact, I would rather die than to lose my right to boast about preaching without charge. Yet preaching the good news is not something I can boast about. I am compelled by God to do it. How terrible for me if I didn't preach the good news. It's just so compelling. How terrible for me if I did not preach the gospel. If I were doing this on my own initiative, I would deserve payment. But I have no choice. For God has given me this sacred trust. What then is my pay? It is the opportunity to preach the good news without charging anyone. That's why I never demand my rights when I preach the good news. So is he going against what he had said earlier, Dad? No, I think I, he's, again, he's saying that, that I have to preach the good news no matter what. Now, I do think that a person who is, their full-time ministry is the presentation of the gospel, the teaching of the word, shepherding people that they should get paid. In fact, it winds up being an obstacle to the ministry when they are not paid because then, they, then they're distracted by the jobs that they're having to work. But he was yeah. saying in his situation, in order to give himself more credibility and a greater inroad into their lives and to speak better into their life, he's decided he wasn't going to take payment from them. Sure. Even though I am a free man with no master, I have become a slave to all people to bring many to Christ. When I was with the Jews, I, I lived like a Jew to bring the Jews to Christ. When I was with those who follow the Jewish law, I too lived under the Jewish law. Even though I am not subject to the law, I did this so I could bring to Christ those who are under the law. When I'm with the Gentiles who do not follow the Jewish law, I too live apart from the law so that I can bring them to Christ. But I do not ignore the law of God. I obey the law of Christ. When I am with those who are weak, I share their weakness. For I want to, be, I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. Now, sometimes people use this as an argument for uh, compromising with the world and entering into even a sinful lifestyle or accepting of a sinful lifestyle or maybe becoming very knowledgeable when it comes to the world and sinful things in the world. And and that's not what Paul is saying at all. He's not saying compromise in, in take areas. Take part in sin. No, he was saying that I, in every way possible, I want to connect with and be at the same level as other people so that they can identify with me and I can identify with them and that they're willing to listen yeah, to Yeah, he's building message. bridges with people. Yeah. But without sinning. Without sinning, right. Don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize? So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I am not just shadow boxing, beating the air. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. I mean, this whole section of scripture, I love that. I would love to just take it apart. And that's a, actually, it's a great sermon, that whole section here. But, um, you know, he compares ours, those of us who are followers of Jesus, especially those that are in full-time Christian ministry, that in order to be effective at this, we've got to be disciplined and be like an athlete and have a, a purposeful goal that you're going after and really pour yourself into it. Because what we are doing matters so much more than what an athlete does in striving for a temporary crown. Yeah. All right. Well, we're still in Psalm 119. 
Am I right? Yeah, we are. In fact, we uh, we read a little bit too far. Uh, we did verse 66. And man, I got to say, Becky, who divides these up, Becky, you got to make these a little bit longer. Come we on, gotta, we Becky. Gotta, we got to get through uh, Psalms. I mean, we're spending a lot of time here in Psalms. Let's My not goodness. make these so short. That girl. So, yeah. <laughs> now we'll find Now we will find out if she listens to Between <laughs> yeah, the Lines. That's true. Right? <laughs> someone's going to tip her off because that yeah. woman is very much loved. So someone's going <laughs> to yeah. be like, hey. <laughs> now I just made enemies. I know it. I made enemies. But yeah, verse 66 was actually supposed to be in today's reading. Uh, I thought it went longer than what it did, but that's okay. We got verse 80. Let's go to verse 80. That's a, I mean, there's a lot of great verses here, but verse 80 says, May I be blameless in keeping your principles, then I will never have to be ashamed. And that's the way to walk through life. Not guilt-free, but, uh, you know, we are forgiven for our guilt, but we can walk through life without shame because we are we are putting into practice the Word of God and the principles of God's Word. Yeah. All right. Well, have a good Wednesday today. We look forward to being with you again tomorrow. God bless. God bless.